Yes, sir. You already know the vibes. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 68. Pimps in the crib, ma. Drop it like it's hot. 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 Drop it like it's hot.
Um, so if you guys feel so inclined, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated if you guys support the merch because um, it's just a great way to keep the show going the way that it is. And with all of that being said, we are going to have a great, 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 great show today. Fully, fully, fully packed. And I'm in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood and I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, amazing song. My job on this show is not just to talk about current events and current happenings and current things happening. It's also to kind of like give you guys a little blast from the past sometimes. It's also, you know, just to showcase my, uh, uh, the things that I like, the things that I grew up on. So, you know, when I play these retro songs, some people legitimately don't know these songs. You know, potting is, is strange in that, you know, you could get anyone from 17 years old to maybe 65 years old listening to your shit. So I play songs and sometimes young young people be like, really, like just genuinely asking, you know, um, what is what song is this? Like, how do you know these songs? How do you know all of this shit? And it's literally just like. You'll see when you get older, like the music that you grew up listening to will when the next generation of people arrives on the planet, it's going to they never heard it before. And it's like kind of like in the beginning, it was kind of like a culture shock to me. Like, how is it that you don't know this shit? But like when you think about it, kids who was born in the year 2000 are 21 years old right now. Like, right. So. When the songs come out in 04, 05, 06, my freshman year of high school was 06. You know, I graduated in 2010. Like, these kids were 10 years old when I graduated from high school. You know what I'm saying? So there's always that disconnect, you know, between, I think, the older generation or a generation that's above the younger. And I feel like music is one of the best ways to just bring everybody together. It always has been. So... That's a long, you know, diatribe about this, but today's intro was an amazing song, and it is called Drop It Like It's Hot by Snoop Dogg and Pharrell off of the album RNG, and when this song dropped, this was the hottest fucking song, like out, like everywhere, anywhere you went, Drop It Like It's Hot, it was the hottest song out, bro, the intro to Snoop. That was amazing. That's a brilliant like way to intro the song. And then you had Pharrell, who was a career producer with the Neptunes. Shout out Chad um, with the Neptunes and NERD, of course. But like he was like spitting. Like you had never really to this point heard Pharrell spitting like you know like he had real rapper swag. Like he sounded like he was rapping for ten years on that verse, and. It was like crazy. And then in the video, it was a black and white video. Uh, Pharrell had just dropped the ice cream sneakers. Like, it was it was, it was was hard. It was just super fire. Like, shout out to Pharrell, man. Shout out to Snoop Dogg. I love Snoop personally. I think if I had to think about my top 10 just off the top of my head, Snoop Dogg is in there. And Snoop Dogg definitely has one of my top five favorite albums. I've said it on the podcast before. Um, Snoop Dogg Doggy Style is in my top five and that will not move ever, ever. It will not move. Snoop Dogg is a, is a legend, man. He's a straight up legend. If I had to think about my top 10, 
just off the top of my head, and then you know this is where you get in trouble, right? When you start saying opinions about music and you're just going off the top, people get so upset. How could you forget this person? How could you forget that person? You're not a real hip hop head, right? Whatever. But just off the top of my head, if I could give my top ten of art of rappers, Jay Z is one for sure. Kanye's two. Nas is three, Andre 3000 is four, Black Dot is five, Eminem is six, I would say Snoop is seven, I got Tupac at eight, DMX at nine, and I'll throw in a wrench at number 10. I'm going to put Kendrick Lamar in there at 10. I think that Kendrick is an alien, bro. I swear to God. I think that he is so fucking incredible. I really do. And I'm putting him on that list. Oh, how could you put him there? He's only got three albums and a, and a few EPs. Listen, man, if you heard Good Kid, Mad City, if you heard To Pimp a Butterfly, if you heard Damn, if you heard Section 80, and even before that, Overly Dedicated, you really can't argue with it. Like, the pen is there. The lyrics are there. Like, he is elite, elite. But this is not about Kendrick. This is about Snoop. So shout out to Snoop. Um, and he has done so much shit out here, bro. Like Snoop Dogg has done everything that could be done in this entertainment world. Literally like everything, TV, movies, music, touring, documentaries, appearances. He's done everything. Label executive, merchandise, like Snoop Dogg is probably one of the most famous, forget rappers, famous people in the world. Like, literally, famous people in the world. Like, you could go to any country and people are going to know who Snoop Dogg is. So, I love Snoop Dogg, man. I swear I do. And I love Pharrell equally. So, shout out to those brothers. And what an amazing, amazing song, Drop It Like It's Hot was. Now it's time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast. It is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx Fact for today is... Located in the Melrose section and founded in 1971, the Bronx Museum of the Arts exhibits 20th century and contemporary art through its central museum space and 11,000 square feet of galleries. Many of its exhibitions are on themes of special interest to the Bronx. Its permanent collection features more than 800 works of art, primarily by artists from Africa, Asia, and Latin America, including paintings, photographs, prints, drawings, and other mixed media. That is your Bronx Fact for episode number 68. Yes! Yes! Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, so we're getting right to the shits today. 
Our top topic is, of course, in the sports lane, and it is about the 2021 NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks. So just a bit of a recap, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, just captured the 2021 NBA championship, defeating the Phoenix Suns in six games. Um, after falling behind to the Phoenix Suns uh, two games to zero in the NBA Finals, um, led by their super superstar, the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. And uh, this is the first championship in Milwaukee um, in terms of basketball since 1971. Um, back then, they were led by Oscar Robertson and Lou Alcindor, who many of you may know as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So it's been a long time coming for Milwaukee in terms of reaching the pinnacle of basketball. And it's a crowning achievement for them. Honestly speaking, I'm a LeBron guy. I love LeBron James. I believe that he is the greatest basketball player in the history of the league. They were eliminated in the first round by the Phoenix Suns. So my rooting interest then became I would like to see Phoenix win. Chris Paul is a 16-year NBA veteran who had never been to the NBA Finals before in his career. And it would have been amazing to see him win the championship. It would have been. And they have a great story. Chris Paul and the coach Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns, they were together back when Chris Paul played for the New Orleans Hornets. Um, They were together as a head coach, and then they went their separate ways. He made his way back. Monty Williams is the coach of the Suns. It would have been an amazing story. Um, and also, you know, the Phoenix Suns have Devin Booker, who is amazing. I know I've said on this podcast before, um, when I was asked a question, I swear, I think the question was, after LeBron retires, who do you see yourself rooting for the most in the NBA? And I know I said Devin Booker, I think I said Luka, I said Jason Tatum, and I believe I said Ben Simmons, and... Yikes, right? Ben Simmons, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would I was rooting honestly for the Phoenix Suns to win. I wanted them to win. I wanted to see Chris Paul finally get that ring. But you know, I, I don't have sour grapes. I mean, my the Knicks was eliminated and the Lakers, so you know, I, I really didn't really care about it. And I definitely didn't bet any money on it. But this is about the Bucks, and I want to talk about them. And mainly, I want to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think that Giannis is one of the most kind of amazing basketball stories, in a way. I've been watching basketball full-time since 2003. And when Giannis was drafted, um, I believe it was 2013, he was this skinny, skinny kid. Like a string bean. Skinny raw as fuck no refinement in his game literally just a run and dunk player like a project like a project type player and you would never think that from when he was drafted when he was 19 years old from Greece to now at 26 being a two-time league MVP a defensive player of the year and now an NBA champion and finals MVP I'm going to be honest, when he first got drafted, I did not see that for him. I did not see that for him. I said, he'll be lucky if he stays in the league for 10 years. 
and even at be be a middle of the pack type player. You know what I'm saying? A 15 points a game player. I never in a million years thought that he would transform himself physically, mentally, and on this team into a, a, a NBA Finals champion. I I seriously was all wrong about Giannis. And, you know, a lot of people was, I was one of them too, making jokes about he can't shoot and he's uh, just a run and dunk player or he can't shoot free throws. You can't trust him. And then when he had failures in the playoffs, um, he, uh, you know, in the last, what, three years, he lost in the East, in the Eastern Conference Finals to Toronto Raptors. Then last year, um, he lost 4-0 in the second round to the, uh, to the Miami Heat. And this year, when they were down to the Brooklyn Nets, I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. Giannis is flaming out in the playoffs again. And somehow, some way, the Milwaukee Bucks really just overcame, rose to the occasion, and did it. Like, there's no, I can't hate one bit. They made the right moves. They supported their 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 star player. Milwaukee did. They got him Drew Holiday. They got Chris Middleton. They got uh, um, P.J. Tucker. Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, like they did everything they could to support their star. And that is how you build a team. You know what I'm saying? Super teams is kind of the wave. All guys now in the league are friends. So let's join up teams. Let's do that. And I don't have any problem with that. You want to win that ring. But like Milwaukee showed that you can build around your star, even though he may be a flawed player, you can build around him and still become very successful. So beyond just the overcoming of adversity um, with Giannis and his career from where it started to where it is now, um, Giannis is a very like easy to root for player, in my opinion. Like you when you listen to him speak, obviously English is not his first language, so he has an accent. He had to overcome people, you know, butchering his name. They just, oh, his name is so hard to pronounce and blah, blah, blah. He had to earn the respect of his contemporaries. Um, most people looked at Giannis as just a run and dunk player. Even uh, a Harden, James Harden, he had a clip with, he was doing an interview with uh, some somebody in the sports media, and he and it started when Giannis was put, picking his team for the All Star game and said he didn't pick James Harden because he wanted somebody to pass the ball, and Jan and James Harden fired back and said. Man, I wish I could be seven feet tall and run and just dunk. I have to play the game with skill. I have to have skill to play basketball. He just runs and dunks. And that was the book on him. But just to see, like, when you hear him speak, when you hear him talk about the game, when you hear him talk about his family, when you hear him, like, just talk about his ups and downs of his career, this is, like, one of the easiest guys to root for. Seriously. Like, this is not just... Oh, he won the championship, so let's just say nice things about him. This is like really one of the easiest dudes to root for in sports. And and like he's great, man. He's great. He is one of these players. He's kind of like a a retro player in that power forwards and centers before the turn of the century were paint dominant players. They scored their points in the paint. And then you had guys like Kevin Garnett who could hit the jumper. You had guys like Arvidas Sabonis who could pass the ball like a guard, right? You had the mix of power forwards. Now you have AD Anthony Davis, who is a very uh, skilled power forward. You had Tim Duncan, very skilled power forwards. Dirk Nowitzki, 
right? One of the most important international players in the history of the league who changed the game for big men and how they played. Giannis is a throwback. Giannis is the the throwback type player to where he is six foot eleven, over two hundred and fifty pounds, strong as fuck. This dude is ripped. Like you see this guy, he's a he is ripped. Like just the his body transformation, and then he gets most of his points in the paint. He not understands his strength. He had a point in time where he thought he had to be this hybrid player. He thought because he was the best player on the Bucks that he had to shoot jump shots and he had to bring the ball up the court and he had to, you know, play like a guard even though he was a power forward. You know, not everyone is like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a unicorn in every sense of the word. Um where Kevin Durant is 7 feet tall and plays like a guard. So Giannis kind of like just rediscovered, I watched it occur in the playoffs, just re-kind of discovered his strength. And when it's game time, when it's crunch time, you have to play to your strengths. And his strength is playing defense, running up and down the floor, getting in the paint, getting to the line, and that's it. Don't worry about the jumper. Don't worry about the assists. Get those rebounds, play that defense, Get in the paint, get your baskets, go to the line. Straight up. And he did it. And it was kind of really cool to see, you know. We're kind of out of, you know, the... Uh, you know, actually, I'm not even going to say. I was going to say we're kind of out of LeBron era. Fuck out of here. We're not out of the LeBron era. We're not out of the LeBron era until he retires. Facts. Uh, <laughs> facts. We're not out of the LeBron era until he retires. Facts. But we're kind of out of that... You know, LeBron didn't make the finals for this year. He didn't make the finals last year. Are we? I mean, he did win the finals last year. Let me rephrase. But he has missed the playoffs in the last two times out of the last three years. And you can see that age and attrition is starting to take over on LeBron. You were thinking like, damn, he's going to defeat Father Time. It's like the Tom Brady thing. Tom Brady is 44 years old, just won another Super Bowl, is going to play for another year and maybe win another Super Bowl. Tom Brady is killing it right now. And you kind of see the the shift in the league from these young, hungry dudes, these young, hungry lions in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got young dudes who is ready, who are ready. Devin Booker showed me something that I didn't think I would see from him yet. Devin Booker's 24. Like... These are young, hungry lions in the NBA, bro. Joel Embiid is still a is still a factor. The Miami Heat is still a factor, right? The Western Conference only getting better. Luka Doncic, what? Luka is is a problem. We don't know what's gonna happen with Kawhi. We don't know what's gonna happen with Paul George. But they even made a good accounting of themselves from last year. You got the Denver Nuggets. You got Jokic. You got Jamal Murray. Like. The league is now with is the young stars of the league are getting better and better and better. And the window in terms of LeBron's championship grabbing window is closing fast because the Milwaukee Bucks ain't going nowhere. The Phoenix Suns ain't going nowhere. I hope that they keep Chris Paul. I hope that they don't let Chris Paul go. I really do. I hope to God that the Phoenix Suns do not let Chris Paul go. But then you got Dallas. You know, you're saying you got the Clippers, you got who else is in the Western Conference? You got uh, 
not not every time you want to just say names off the top of your head, you can't think, right? Um, in the Western Conference, you got Dallas, you got the Lakers, the Clippers, you got the Phoenix Suns, you got uh, the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets. Like there's teams, and then the Eastern Conference, Atlanta Hawks, Philly 76ers, the New York Knicks. Shout out! You got like you got teams that are building from their young core, and these young core is becoming lions. And right now, Giannis is standing at the top of the pack. And you didn't think that he was. I damn sure didn't. And so it's just a referendum on you don't understand, like, how hard it is to, one, just be be a professional athlete and then ascend to the top of the league. Right. And so they don't deserve anything but my respect. Seriously, like, I don't have no hate whatsoever to, to say against Giannis. I think that he's an amazing guy. I think he's an amazing player. And it's so good just to see good guys win. You know what I'm saying? It's so good to see good guys finally just achieve their dreams and and go as far as they can. And he has had some great inspirational quotes over the course of the playoffs and in the NBA Finals, which I have for you. Because I really just want you to hear how this guy who has come from nothing and has ascended to the top of the NBA looks at the journey, looks at the process, why he works so hard, why he, you know, does so many things that he can for his family and for the community and all that shit, because this shit is not promised to him. He had to fight to get to this level. And it's just something that I truly respect, man. I really do. I really respect this guy. I really respect the team. Mike Budenholzer, I'm iffy on him, but you did win the chip, so I can't hate that much. That's the only hate I got. Mike Budenholzer, I don't know about him as terms of the coach. I don't know about him. They kind of, I feel like they won in spite of their coach, not because of their coach. But hey, that's the only hate I got. But I do want to play these things for you. I want to play you Giannis talking about pride and ego and humility. And I also want to play you um, a snippet from his post NBA Finals Championship press conference where he thanks all the people um, that helped him along in his journey. And he thanks, and he just reflects on where he came from, why he started playing basketball, and the hope that he hopefully can inspire the people from Africa and from Greece and people who had just the long road to climb to achieve success. So these are a series of clips from NBA champion finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, you're 26 years old. And, you know, I've covered plenty of players who didn't seem like they figured the ego part out until their 30s. I mean, who taught you about what it, why that's important and, and to handle it that way? I think, I think, I think uh, I'll say life. Usually, I'm telling you this, usually when, uh, from my experience, right? Like when I think about like, oh yeah, I'm, I did this. I, you know, I'm so great. I had uh, 30. I had 25, 10, and 10, or whatever the case might be, because right. you're going to think about that. Oh, we want this and that. Usually the next day, you're going to suck. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> simple as that. You Like, the next few days, you're going to be terrible. And I uh, figured out, like, a mindset to have that, like, when you focus on the past, that's your ego. I did this. You know, um, we were able to, you know, uh, beat this team for all. We did. I did this in the past. I want that in the past. Mm-hmm. And when I focus in the future, is my pride. Like, yeah, next game, game five, I do this and this and this. Right. You know, I'm going down. That's your pride talking. Like, you, it doesn't happen. Like, you're right here. And um, 
I kind of like try to focus in the, you know, in the moment, in the present. And that's humility. That's being humble. That's not setting no expectation. That's going out there, enjoying the game, competing at a high level. And uh, I think I've had people throughout my life that helped me with that. But that's a skill that I've tried to like, kind of, um, um, how you say, kind of like perfect it. Master. Uh, yeah, master it. And uh, it's been working so far. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to stop. You're doing okay. Questions? Sean, over on the right. Giannis, um, when you first started playing basketball, did you ever think a moment like this would happen? Man. Uh, no, man. No, 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 no. I started, I started playing basketball just to, you know, help my family, you know, um, try to get them out of the struggle. You know, the challenges we were facing when we were kids. Uh, but, man, I never thought, you know, I'm going to be 26 years old, you know, uh, with my team, playing the NBA Finals, just playing. And, like, I was just happy just being a part, like, you know, not even winning, just being a part of this, of this journey, you know. And, um, but I never thought ever when I'm be 26, you know, I'll be sitting in this chair with this right here and this right here. Man, it's been, it's been, uh, we've come a long way. Candace, over here. Hey, Giannis, how are you? When thinking about the uh, diaspora of Africa, and you think about the country that your, your parents came from, and um, what do you think about, do you know what you represent to the continent, and what do you think this title, those two trophies, mean to uh, the continent? Mm -hmm. I know. Obviously, I represent, you know, uh, my country, my both countries, Nigeria and Greece. Um, a lot of kids from there, um, but not just from Nigeria, from the whole, whole Africa, whole Europe, you know, I know that I'm a role model, but uh, like, this should be, should make every, every person, every kid, every, anybody around the world to like believe in their dreams, you know, and no matter like what, whatever you feel, when you feel down, when things don't look like, it's gonna happen for you, or you might not make it in your career, might be basketball, might be anything. Just believe in what you're doing, keep working. You know, don't let nobody tell you what you can be, what you cannot do. You know, people told me I can't make free throws. I made my free throws tonight, <laughs> and I'm a freaking champion. I made them when I'm supposed to make them. You know, but I'm joking. Um, actually, I'm not, but uh, yeah, just believe, man. Just, I hope, I hope, I hope, I give people around the world, from Africa, from Europe, give them hope, you know, that it can be done. It can be done. Eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, before I came to the league, I didn't know where my next move would come from. You know, my mom was selling stuff in the street. You, like, and now I'm here sitting at the top of the top, you know, and, I, and, and I'm extremely blessed. And that's why I cannot, I can never get, I'm extremely blessed. If I, if I never have a chance to sit on this table ever again, I'm fine with it. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it. But like, I hope this can give everybody around the world hope and allow them to believe in their dreams. Vince <clears throat> in the middle. Hey, Giannis, um, your journey as a don't pro. Get don't get jealous. I spent some time with that. Well, I, you want to have another intimate moment with your... Yeah, your... 
Um, your journey as a pro, you, you play point guard, you came off the bench, you know, you've developed to this point. What does all this mean basically from the moment that you got to the NBA? It's, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been a long journey, man. I've, I've, I've done it all, man. I've done it all. I did anything I could just to, you know, be on the court, just to be in this position. You know, I've, I've, I've not play. I've, I've uh, come off the bench. I've, uh, when I was 18, I started in the, the team. I've uh, went to the front office and tell them to send me to the G League. I want to develop. Like, I've done, you know, I've, um, I've uh, played point guard. I've only defended slash from the corners and everything, you know. And uh, my fourth year, I was able to lead as a ball hand. Like, I've done it all. And uh, tonight, it was just a, uh, that's what I had to do tonight. You know, I had to do a little bit of everything. I had to defend, I had to rebound, I had to block, I had to do a little bit of everything. But people that helped me throughout this journey, man. John Hammond that drafted me and believed in me and believed in my family, brought my family over here, made me feel comfortable, made me feel like I was his son. You know, when I was uh, homesick and I was uh, alone in the hotel. Larry Drew, credit to Larry Drew, Jason Kidd that came to the team and pushed me, told me, not, do not shoot, but okay. You know, I, I develop other parts in my game, you know, get into the rim, shoot the mid-race shot, you know, just be dumb and get to the free throw line. And Coach Bud, you know, Coach Bud believed in me, told me that in order for me to win, in order for me to be great, I have to trust my teammate. You know, I have to trust my team, I have to make the right pass. You know, I cannot be stubborn, you know, and I got to trust the process. You know, and uh, it, was a, it was a three-year process. But we, we, we got it done. I want to thank all of these guys. And as I said, I've done it all on the court. I know all of the court, and I'm um, keep I'm keep going. I can't stop. I can't stop. That's like my personality. I'm not stopping. Just a good guy, man. Just a good guy with a great story. Easy to root for, and like you know, very inspirational. You know, very inspirational in a lot of ways. You know, um, I'm not ready to say Giannis is better than LeBron because I'm just <laughs> I'm just a LeBron super 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 fan. So I still think LeBron is the best player in the league. But I understand, you know, they just won the title and he dominated. He dropped a 50-piece McNugget in game six of the NBA Finals. Like, that's incredible. Like, But I'm still not ready to say LeBron is not the best player in the league yet. I'm not ready to say it. I still think he's better than KD. I still think he's better than Giannis. I still think he's better than Steph Curry. I still think that. But, but... I, I, you got to give nothing but love and respect to Giannis, man, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Mo- Milwaukee Bucks is the masterclass in how to build a team around your star player. Like, that's it. You get Drew Holiday, a great two-way player, a great ball handler, a great facilitator of the offense, a great defender on the point guard, takes stress off of Giannis. You get Chris Milton, a great shooter, a great scorer, Committed to play defense, even though he's not the best defender, he's very committed to play. Take some of the load off of Giannis. You get Bobby Portis, an energy guy, super high motor, help takes the pressure off of Giannis. You get PJ Tucker, lockdown defender, takes pressure off of Giannis. Like get Brooke Lopez, space the floor, rebound, block shots, takes pressure off of the star player. And that's how you build the team to contend for years to come. We'll see what they do. But right now, it's just about congratulations. Super proud of the guys. Super proud of the team. 
And super proud for Milwaukee. Give them something to celebrate. You know what I'm saying? They're going through all this shit with Aaron Rodgers. You know, the Milwaukee Brewers never really get to the World Series or anything like that. So just to have them to have opportunity to celebrate and celebrate their homegrown player is great. So big love and shout out to Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. And so moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is the exact same except no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter. And I'm saying this and repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly to send in comments, questions, concerns, feedback, Whatever you have for me, constructive criticism, literally, whatever you have for me, and you guys never let me down, but I'm only going to answer one question this week because we got a whole bunch of other shit to talk about, and I don't want to go too, too, too crazy because you know me. Once I start talking, I can't stop. So only one question this week, and that question that I have received is, being a New Yorker, I expect you to get this right. Uh Uh-oh. This is the, <laughs> once people expect you to do something, you know, you're going to fuck it up. Being a New Yorker, I expect you to get this right. How do you feel about putting pineapple on pizza? <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry to let you down, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to keep it a bean. I'm going to keep it a bean. I don't dislike pineapple on pizza i know i know i know what you're thinking how the hell could you say something like that especially new yorkers tend to believe that they are pizza purists they do they believe that but i mean i had it like i tried it i was just like one day we i don't know where i was we're ordering pizzas and somebody ordered the pineapple and initially i was like that's disgusting why would you ever want hot fruit on your pizza is disgusting but then i was like all right whatever fuck it i'll try it and it wasn't bad it was pretty good i can't lie i cannot lie it was pretty damn good i wouldn't say it's my go-to but if i'm somewhere and there's a whole bunch of pizzas out and there happens to be a pineapple one i'll have a slice because i don't think it's nasty i actually think it's pretty good so i'm sorry to let you down also You know, New Yorkers believe that the traditional style of pizza, the regular crust or the giant Brooklyn slices are the way to go in terms of pizza. But I just recently had deep dish. I had it for the first time. When was that? When did I have it? It was like March or something. I had it for the first time ever in my life. Deep dish pizza. And that shit was fire. That fucking pizza was fire okay i had to eat the shit with a fork it was weird as hell but that deep dish pizza that shit is incredible i know i'm losing so many new york points i know i am gonna revoke my new york card right now i know i know i know but let me tell you something i had it deep dish and the motherfuckers in chicago doing something right man Deep dish pizza is incredible. Like, this shit is incredible. It's incredible. So, I'm sorry to all my New York pizza purists out there. Please, please invite me. Please hang out with me still. Please invite me places. 
But I'm telling you, pineapple on pizza ain't ain't bad, and deep dish pizza is incredible. And I guess, I'm I'm sorry to let all of you down. I'm sorry to let all of you guys down, but damn man, deep dish, Jesus Christ, that shit was good. That was some good ass pizza, man. Sheesh, sheesh. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the question. Only the one question this week because we got so much other shit to talk about. But I truly, 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 sincerely appreciate the love and the support that you guys give me. You send me questions, you give feedback, all that good shit. I truly, truly appreciate it. And the show would be nothing without you guys. Um, So I truly, truly appreciate the love and the support. And I look forward to answering more and more and more and more and more of you guys' questions. Thank you so much. I truly, truly appreciate it. Next on the docket, let's talk about music. There is a whole bunch of musical albums that have just come out or are expected to release soon that we need to discuss. Um, First, though, let's talk about Kanye. Kanye, um, his album called Donda, which is named after his late mother, was supposed to come out on Friday, July the 23rd. And he had a listening a, a listening session for it at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta on Thursday, July the 22nd. In true Kanye fashion, after the listening session, the album has apparently been delayed. I don't know what the latest will be. Um, I don't know when the shit will drop, but you know Kanye. It could either drop in the middle of the fucking night with nobody knowing, or it could be two weeks from now, it could be a month from now, it could be six months from now. You don't know when when the shit is going to drop. Kanye West is as enigmatic as they come, okay? So, I have nothing to say about Donda. I, have, I, I will not talk about it until the music is released, and then even when it's released, I still am going to need a good week and a half or a good two weeks just to listen to it over and over again and actually formulate an opinion. So I cannot talk about Donda on this pod, on this episode, because not enough information out. There's no music out officially yet, and I'm not going to do it to myself. So I'm going to patiently wait on Kanye um, for when his shit drops. I am of the opinion that Jesus is King was mid and again, he's talking about Jesus and God and his religious beliefs. So I cannot ever come on the show and try and demean or belittle someone's affection or religious beliefs, you know, to their own gods, their own lords and saviors. I will never, ever be on here trying to do something like that. So Jesus is king, though. It was mid. It was mid. Um, yay was mid. It was mid. I'm sorry, my guy Anthony, huge Kanye fan just like me, but Anthony, I'm sorry, it was mid. Shit is mid. Kitsy Ghost, though, was incredible. It was incredible. I loved Kitsy Ghost. Um, Kanye West and Kid Cudi is like peanut butter and jelly. Facts. So, I love Kitsy Ghost. So, out of his last three projects, two out of the three were mid. So, you know, I'm going to keep my expectations managed as it relates to Donda. I'm excited about it. I'm just excited to hear his music. You know, he's gone through a lot of shit. Kanye has. So just that he's focused on music and actually has enough material to put out an album is um, it's good. It's good. It's good. So I'm going to again, I'm going to temper off no Kanye talk. You know, album talk until it releases. And then after that, I'm still going to need time to like fully digest it. So no Kanye talk for this episode. Um, What other albums came out? Her is who is spectacular. I don't know when this album came out, but I know I just got around to hearing it. 
Um, it's called Back of My Mind, and it is spec fucking tacular. I love her. Like she is so 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 talented. So 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 talented. This album and her album was long. It was a twenty-one song album, about an hour and twenty-five minutes runtime. About. And this shit was so good. Like, she is incredible. She's incredible. Um, who else dropped the album? Shout out to my guy Marlon. Put me on to IDK. Um, his album called You See For Yourself. Shout out to him. I This is my first time ever hearing him. He did he did his thing. Like, he did his thing. Um, like, I was like really, like, I love when I get music that I've never heard before from people I've never heard of. And then they just blow my socks off. So shout out to IDK, um, Snow Allegra, my baby. You know, I you know you guys know I love Snow Allegra. I've talked about Snow Allegra at least on this podcast since episode number one of this podcast. Shout out to Snow Allegra. Oh my god, I love Snow Allegra so much. Her latest album is called Temporary Highs in the Violet Skies, um, and it is incredible. I love Snow Allegra. I swear I do. I love her. Um, I don't have a deep dive on her album, though. Um, Listen to it, if you feel so inclined. And title of the creator, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, okay? Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler the Creator. Like, what can you say about this guy, man? He's like, he's in the zone. Like, you know, like, he is in the fucking zone. I can't from from Flower Boy to Igor to now Call Me If You Get Lost. This is like one of the best three album joints, like three album projects, like by one guy, one artist. Maybe I can compare it to Dropout, Late Registration, Graduation, or Good Kid, Mad City, Pimp a Butterfly, Damn. Like this is like. One of the best three album runs, three album like runs. You can even say Reasonable Doubt. Um, well, no, because in my lifetime, volume one it was pretty good, but it wasn't that good. I would say, yeah, I'm not even gonna throw Jay Z in there. Let's just keep it simple. Like, I can compare Flower Boy, Igor, and Call Me If You Get Lost, this that three album span to Dropout, Late Registration, Graduation, or Pimp a Um, Good Kid, Mad City, Pimp a Butterfly, Damn. Like, this is just like. In this period, in this time from 2017 to now, like this dude is in the zone, bro. Like he's in the zone. I don't, there's no other way for me to explain it. Like Tyler is just like, he has ascended, bro. He's become that butterfly out of the cocoon. Like I I believe I talked about this on the show too. I don't remember which episode, but I was just like, I really respect his 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 growth his album growth right from his first album called goblin to now call me if you get lost like we've seen tyler transform from the young rebellious kid who just wanted to like say shock value type shit to then trying to focus in on the music the production then trying to get the lyrics better then trying to incorporate all of those things in his life experience into the music Flower Boy was the first of that, right? Where you actually saw him, his lyrics were super on point, his features were super well-placed, and the production was super high level. 
Then Igor, he took that shit up a knot. Like, he took that shit up to another level. And then Call Me If You Get Lost, he took that shit up to another level. Like, he is in the zone, bro. He's in the zone. And that's why I'm saying dropout, late registration, graduation. Dropout was Kanye, like, his first debut album. He had his own style, his own way of making his songs. Late registration was taking that up a notch. And then graduation, where he it was now experimenting with all types of different sounds, all types of different ways to make music and different types of features, while still being Kanye, is like, that is how, this is the best way for me to compare it. Tyler, the creator, man... You are doing the damn thing, bro. You're doing the damn thing. You are. <laughs> you are doing the damn thing, bro. And man, it's so good. It is just such good music. But beyond all of those albums that I recently mentioned, I really want to spend some time on Vince Staples. Like, I want to spend a few minutes on Vince Staples because. Ben Staples is someone that I really enjoy. Like, I enjoy his music. I enjoy following him on Twitter. I enjoy when he does little videos and he does appearances and interviews with, like, GQ or with music stations and stuff because he's, like, if I could describe Ben Staples, he's, like, an old man who's seen everything in the world, and and but he's still young, like, Vince Staples is super, super smart, super, super sharp. Like, like I don't, I don't even know really how to describe him. He's just like, he's like an old man in a young man's body. Like he, the way he speaks, the way he understands the world, it seems, the way he does his business, is like he's been here before. Like he's, he knows all this shit, and he's just gonna be himself. Like, and he is extremely in my opinion intelligent and he's somebody that i really respect so his latest album came out and it was self it's a self-titled album so it's vince staples by vince staples and the vibe i got from it was not like all his other albums um usually his other albums was really west coast influence like very up-tempo beats um and rapping with the signature la style a lot of uh Beats that make you want to dance, stuff like that, right? It's a real West Coast vibe. But this album was very, in my opinion, like introspective. It was kind of, it gave me the feeling like, like he's a rapper at the end, if that makes any sense. You remember, if you guys remember Jay-Z's The Black Album, at that time in 2003, Jay-Z said that he was retiring from rap. It was 2003. And so the album that he dropped, the Black Album, it gave you that feeling like he, this is a guy who's done everything, who's seen the world, who has made all the money, who has been in every experience in terms of dealing with labels, in terms of dealing with family, friends, etc. He has seen everything and he's done. This is my last effort. Like this is my last one. I'm finished. Like, I've done everything that needs to be done in this game. I've made every mistake. I've had every triumph. And I'm finished now. I'm finished. I can relax. Now, obviously, that was capped because three years later, Jay-Z returned with Kingdom Come and then American Gangster <laughs> and then The Blueprint 3 and then uh, Watch the Throne with Kanye and then Magna Carta Holy Grail and then 444. So 
that was cap for Jay-Z. But it just gave me that feeling listening to Vince. I felt the same way listening to Hove at that time. Like he is, he sounds like he's just finished. It was a very melancholy kind of over it type vibe of the album. Like, you know, I'm kind of done. And Vince Staples is young. Vince Staples is 20, I believe he's 28. He's young. And I liked it. Like, I just liked hearing the 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 introspection. I liked hearing the reflection. I liked hearing just the 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 toned down Vince Staples, right? The first song I ever heard from Vince Staples was North North. Um, Bitch, you thirsty, please grab a Sprite. I ain't never ran from nothing but the police, right? That's that's what I'm that's the Vince Staples I got used to hearing, right? And then now you're hearing it and you're just like this guy who's who's seen a lot of shit, who's been through a lot of shit, who's had a lot of bad things happen, who's lost a lot of people, who has learned the evils of the music industry, who has still struggling with his identity as a black man, who still is sort of involved in the streets because he still claims that he's an active member of the Crips. Like this is someone who sounds like and again, I don't know. But this is just someone who sounds like he's he's kind of finished or he's he's just ready to just to be done and live and have peace in his life. That's what it sounds like to me. And listening to the songs, you know, it was never a beat where I was just like, all right, let's, you know, snap my fingers and stamp my feet. It was just like the beats really made you want to listen to what he was saying. And this is a short project. It's not in terms of minutes. It's only uh, 22 minutes. It's 10 songs, 22 minutes. And one of the songs is a skit. And But even in that 22-minute runtime, I just felt like this was the most vulnerable he has ever been in his songs. This is the most he has allowed the listener in in all of his songs, in my opinion, in my opinion. And it's something that I really enjoyed and it really I, I respect when artists really like try and give you a glimpse into their lives that's why i love kanye so much beyond the ego that kanye has beyond the you know the braggadocious nature um that he that he displays he always in every single one of his albums even if it's just for one song he gives you an emotional introspective this is where i am in life song you can do it on any album. The college dropout was the that was it for the entire album, except from like new workout plan, of course, and fun up tempo songs like that. But he the college dropout had those songs. Spaceship, um, Through the Wire, that was his first single. Uh you had uh to, uh Never Let Me Down with Jay-Z. Like he always he gave you that on dropout. And late registration, late. You had roses, right? Like he gives you that in graduation, flashing lights. This is he's talking about how he his life is now. Eight Awaits and Heartbreak was the most one of the most emotional albums I've ever heard in my life. Like, really. Dark Twisted Fantasy. He had songs on there about just reflecting on his life. Even Jesus, you had Bound 2 on there, right? And on Yay, which I believe is mid, you had Ghost Town on there. The first time I heard Ghost Town, I teared up. Literally. And on Kid See Ghost, Reborn, right? Like, so Kanye always does that. And that's why I kind of like really appreciate his music so much the way that I do. Jay-Z has done that on 444 recently. 
he's done songs like Song Cry, and he's done songs kind of like I Did It My Way, kind of just to like let you in and show you his journey. But really, Jay-Z ain't rapping like that. At least he wasn't for the majority of his albums. Now, as an older man, he is. But just Kanye's ability to do that as a young man is one of the reasons why I really love Kanye so much. So when I hear that from other artists who aren't R&B singers and rap is generally not, you know, looked at with the emotional quality or the emotional depth that R&B is. When I hear that from other rappers, it's just like it really like tunes me in. It makes me want to listen more. It makes me want to play the songs over and over again to really try and understand them. And Vince really like he did that shit like he gave an album that was from his heart. He gave an album that showed you the the transformation from getting into the game, from trying to leave the street shit behind, from still having the street shit be a burden onto your life, trying to keep your family safe, trying to keep your friends safe, the evils of the music industry and where he is at his in his life right now. And that is why I think that this is one of my favorite albums of the year. I have not done my top 10 of albums yet. I'm still listening to stuff every day. But like, this is one of the standouts. And it's not long in length. And I think that's what's beautiful about music. You Generally speaking, you think of the music at least being 40 minutes between an hour, right? Sometimes longer. But he gave you so much emotional depth, in my opinion, in 22 minutes. And I think that that was the goal. Like, I want this to be short and sweet, but just have a lot of substance in it. And I really respected it. And I really liked it. And I really enjoyed just listening to it over and over again. Because this is a this is when, you know, certain artists, they all have their progression, right? Just like I spoke about Tyler. Tyler progressed. You know, you see Vince progressing. And it's something that I really like hearing. So um, I, what I want to do is play you something from Vince about... Him figuring things out. He's a super intelligent guy, in my opinion. And I want to play you a, a clip of him doing an interview with Wayno. And he's just like talking about his progression in the music business. Him figuring things out in the music business. And him figuring himself out and how he wanted to, to put himself out on the album. He wanted to give you guys a glimpse of himself beyond just the, the artist Vince Staples. He wanted to tell you about the man Vince Staples. So I want you to hear this. I think it's pretty good, like good content to hear from Vince Staples uh, doing an interview with Wayno. And I just think that it's real good shit. And it's it kind of the explanation of the album without really explaining the album. So this is Vince Staples. Shit, well, her, yeah, my mama, she really done taught me a lot. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a lot of reflection on this album. Like when I when listening to this album, I kind of get like you kind of taking a look at your younger self. You know what I mean? And and just the past that you're going. So what was the past? Like, you, you, you've done a few albums, but what was different from this one than the previous ones? I'm just not as young, bro. Like, you know, um, Summertime 06 came out. I was 20, 21. Mm -hmm. And we was in the middle of like a, like a beef, beef, like war, war. And it's like, I don't got no money. I, you, know, you know how music is. Yeah. I don't man get nothing, you feel me? Like, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on my ass. We in a one-bedroom apartment on Fifth and Temple. Me and my mom and my sister mm. and my homie around the corner. And it's mm. like, I got a car with no gas in it. I got a, I got a gun with no bullets. And now everybody think I'm, I'm popping. 
So now it's like that was kind of made a lot of pressure, which led to me being like, all right, how do I make some money? Which led to me learning about shows and touring and festival circuits and things of that nature. So that's where kind of like, and also it was hard to get people to work with me. Because like, I, you know how the policies is, like, I, my manager from New York, I'm from Long Beach, so that make everybody in LA feel weird because they don't really like Long Beach. They don't like New York. Right. But it's like this man done done for my family and yada yada. So it's like, oh, I didn't. How did niggas tell me? Yeah, man, you just need like you don't need you don't need your man. You need a new manager. You need like a young fly nigga. It's like what the fuck do that mean? You know? Right. But it's like you know just playing them kind of games. I'm like, all right, I gotta find another way because I'm not gonna play the fake politics shit. Right. So then you know James Blake wanted to work and it's like, all right, okay, he do shows. He gonna let me open up for him. All right, let me try to figure out how to maneuver this. And the big fish dude came from me knowing how to do festivals and learning about sinks. Right. So like, all right, how do I get paid? And then after that, like, I got paid off that. And then you know I had a lot of loss, a lot of death. And it's like you know my grand, both my grandmas died, my little homie died, when my cousin died. Like I think like four, five months. Damn. So I was to the, it was to the points where I was like, you know, I saw good. It was to the points where I was like, yeah, I gotta slow down and like think. And FM was kind of like you know, cause when you think about Big Fish Theory, I was like, I got all the street shit off my chest with Summertime right. on Six. So I was like, all right, how do I do something different and get some money? So I was barely any cursing on that thing and then like hella violent and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So. FM was kind of like me kind of falling back into the old mind state. I wasn't really in like the coolest place. Mm-hmm. And then I just chilled for a couple years and I didn't do nothing. But I think I'm older. Like, you know, in them five years, I went from 25 to 28. And when my first album came out, I was 21. So it's just these just pivotal moments in my life. And it's like, you know, just growing up and just realizing that, you know, certain things are the way they is kind of just put me where I was at when I made it. Right. I remember you saying also, like, you know, even though you might not do like the biggest numbers, you also have like you... I want to know about like the audio experience versus the live experience because last year the live experience was taken from us as a whole, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't play, I don't play shows like you know, twenty five to see venues three days in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't play, I don't sold out Terminal Five, I don't sold out Ithaca, I don't sold out Seattle, uh, Oakland, one of my biggest markets. I sell out Oakland and San Francisco back to back, and they right down the street. Yeah. But I can also go to Texas and have it, uh, uh, Houston. It'll be like twenty percent capacity until the door. Then the door we might get to like fifty, yeah. but then we sell out Dallas, sell out San Antonio, sell out New Mexico. Right. And we do another low show It's just It's ups and downs You feel me Like I ain't never really been That good in the south mm-hmm. I ain't never really been That good in Florida right. So it's One thing about touring Is it humbles you And it just teaches you You know That you do have connectivity Because if it's somebody In the show On a Tuesday night I don't care how many people it is They don't got the money That we have You know what I'm saying They don't have $40 $60 just to spend So right. it makes you Appreciate every single person And even with the sales And the numbers and shit It's like We live in an era Where like 20 million streams 20 million people Listen to your song Equals 12,000 sales So my thing is Let's just When I look at my numbers like, Okay it might not have been That crazy But okay I got 4 million people Listening to me in one week On Spotify alone So if I can't do something With that I don't deserve this No position I don't deserve no money I don't deserve To have no fame If I'm mad about 4 million people Listening to something in the seven day series when they gotta go to work they probably got kids my fans like I think on my Spotify thing like and I know we on another platform you know what I mean just my, 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 my streaming platform thing my bad um, less than 18 less than 4% of my listeners under 18 all my listeners from 25 to 59 Wow. So that means people got jobs, they got kids. So I, I'm appreciative of people taking the extra time to you know support me. So you really learning the business about it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's one thing to like because I see a lot of artists like they think that immediately they sign with a label and it, you, you're not you're no longer on Def Jam. You're in Motown. Yeah, yeah, and but also a lot of artists don't know that it's just it's all the same thing. It's a system. Like right. it's just universal as we know. Right. So my thing with these kids, and these people, like pick what's best for you, man. Like. It ain't nobody in this world that can do something for you that you can't do for yourself. Right. Now, if you want help or you want partnership, then go with that. But I feel like, man, do it. Do it makes sense. Like, 
in this day and age more than anything just make do with what you got you feel me like right. if you're on the internet with a million people listening to your music you already doing better than a lot of people was that was established successful artists before this thing came around so right, right. don't be grateful like man like i love this dude man i swear and i think that when you can eloquently explain why you're doing what you're doing or elo- even just eloquently tell your story right in in the music or in interviews and all that shit it's like you should listen like you should listen to these people you should try and pick up game from them you know he said like he's just said like sometimes you hear other artists complain that they didn't stream enough but he said look at your numbers right if four million people took time out of their day to listen to your music and you can't do nothing with that you don't even you feel like you don't deserve it you don't you shouldn't even be if you're not grateful for that and you can't make shit work out of that, then why are you in this position? Like, it's just like, he's a super young guy, but I feel like he's like an old man in a young man's body. I swear, like, just a level of maturity to have at that, at this age, understanding so much shit, understanding who he is in the space and being happy with what he has and understanding that this shit is a gift. Like, this shit is, you know, motherfuckers got jobs and shit and people got kids and you know, they're taking time out to fuck with you and being humble about it. Like, you think you're the shit because you got albums out and you ain't got no money in your pocket. You know, or you think that, you know, you the man because you just got, you got four albums out, but then you go on tour and, you know, people not fucking with you like that. It makes you humble and makes you appreciative. And I fuck with, man. I fuck with Vince, man. I really do, man. I fuck with Vince Staples, man. So, um... That's all. I so really. I that's all I got really on it. Like I really enjoyed this shit. I really enjoyed the project. I really fuck with Vince. Like I, I'm gonna be a fan of his for a long time. I don't know if he is done with music. I, I'm not sure. It's not for me to call. Um, but like, I really fuck with this guy, man. I fuck with him, and I I, I appreciate this the the level of introspection and realness in the music along with. Walking, I should say, walking lockstep with him, how he is with others, and how he is with the media, and how he speaks, and how he conducts his shit. So, shout out to Vince Staples, man. Shout out to Snow Allegra. Shout out to her. Shout out to IDK. Um, shout out to Tyler, the creator. All these guys out here making fantastic music. It's all for the culture. And, man, like, this shit is great. So, shout out to all these beautiful, amazing artists. And I uh, look forward to hearing more for the rest of the year. So shout out to everybody uh, who made some great shit from January to now. And hopefully we hear more. And that's all I got. Next on the docket, we got some fun, fun, fun stories for you. We got I got some shit, man, that just, it made me laugh so much that I was like, I have to make sure that, to find time and include this shit in the podcast. I have to. Whatever I have to move around. I have to make sure I find space and opportunity for these stories to talk about on the show. The first one has to do with the number one fast food chain in the world. And I've on this podcast before, it was episode number 38. It was called I'm Loving It. And it was I talked about McDonald's, which is the number one fast food chain in the world and the hold that it has on people, especially if you had a few too many to drink. And in that episode, I talked about a woman named LaShonda Griffin, who was a school bus driver in upstate New York. And LaShonda Griffin had too much to drink the night before. 
And on her school bus route, as she was driving the kids to school, she stopped the bus, took two of the kids inside, ordered McDonald's, took the kids to school, ate the McDonald's, and passed out on the bus. Like, and it was just super fucking hilarious. But the point of it was, we know how powerful McDonald's is. Like, if you drinking or if you getting high, you know, smoking weed or eating edibles or whatever you like to do. You want to get something to eat. There's a McDonald's on every corner. You go up in there. You get your chicken McNuggets. You get your Big Mac. You get your quarter pounder with cheese. And you'll be good. You'll be good. You'll be straight. It's not the healthiest food. You know, if, if you ever seen the movie Super Size Me, it's not the healthiest food. Definitely not. But it's fast. It's convenient. And it somehow, some way, always hits the fucking spot. So now. How has McDonald's somehow, some way, gotten back into the news? I want to read you this story because this story made me smile from ear to ear. I had a big laugh reading this shit. And beyond all the perils of the world, it's fun to laugh at shit. It's fun to have fun stories on the show and just have a minute to laugh because people are funny as hell. So this article, the headline reads, Iowa Man. Arrested for calling in bomb threat after McDonald's did not include a dipping sauce with his McNuggets. <laughs> On Saturday in Aikeny, Iowa, a man was arrested because, according to police, he threatened to blow up a local McDonald's after they failed to include dipping sauce along with his chicken McNuggets order. Sergeant Corey Shendon of the Aikeny PD told a regional outlet WHO 13 that a 42-year-old man named Robert Goldwitzer Jr. phoned the restaurant at about 5.20 p.m. on Saturday after learning of his incorrect order. Goldwitzer is alleged to have told the restaurant he'd blow the place up and also made a reference to punching an employee. Police contacted the phone number Goldwitzer called from, according to the criminal complaint. They say he admitted over the phone during an interview at the police department that he did make the threats. He is charged with a Class D felony for making a false report of an explosive or incendiary device. He was booked into jail and was released on bond on Sunday. My mother's response for every out-of-pocket thing that's ever happened in this world is, white people are crazy. This shit is fucking hilarious, bro. But listen, listen. All, should Mr. Goldwitzer have called McDonald's and threatened to blow the shit up because they forgot his dipping sauce? No. But let me tell you something. As someone who has in the past frequented McDonald's, I don't really eat it that much anymore, pretty much at all. You know, I'm trying to be really health conscious. I'm really trying to be focused on taking my health seriously. It's better to do it now when you're young than when you get older. So I don't really frequent McDonald's or any fast food for that matter very much. Really, I don't. But as someone who has been to McDonald's plenty of times, these motherfuckers be so stingy with that goddamn sauce. That's a fact. They be so stingy with that damn sauce. The workers at McDonald's be acting like the sauces get deducted out of their check. Fam, I ordered 500 chicken nuggets. What am I going to do with one barbecue sauce? 
What am I going to do with two barbecue sauces? Hook a brother up with the damn sauce. Don't be out here thinking that you got to guard the sauce with your life. This ain't the fucking holy grail. You ain't doing security at the Louvre. You work at McDonald's. If I want an extra barbecue sauce, don't fucking hassle me about it. What the hell? Popeye's too. Popeye's, you go in there, you order, they got the new Popeye nuggets. And again, I have not had them because I'm, I'm focused on the health. But like you order chicken tenders, you order that new, they got Popeye nuggets. One sauce. My nigga, hook a brother up with the sauce. Come on. How do you expect me to eat all these goddamn tenders with one sauce? How do you expect me to eat all these goddamn McNuggets with one sauce? The only place I will say that is not stingy with their sauce is Chick-fil-A. You go to Chick-fil-A, you order nuggets, they hook you up with sauce. They do. They give you enough sauce to where you can, you know, enjoy your nuggets properly. But McDonald's and Popeye's, they are so fucking stingy with the sauce. So, although our Iowa homie should not have threatened to fucking blow up the shit because they didn't include sauce. I understand, bro. I swear to God, I understand this. I understand this so much. Especially if you had a long day. You just want to go home. You want to eat your chicken McNuggets and relax. Turn the game on or have a cold beer, something. Just to relax and get rid of the stresses of the day. How did you open up your bag? And there's no sauce in there. And I know a worker at that goddamn McDonald's did that shit on purpose. Because there's no way you order chicken nuggets of any kind. Unless you specifically say that you do not want sauce. That they will not put sauce in there. You ordered McNuggets. So, listen. Should, again, I don't condone anybody threatening to blow up places. I don't threaten, I don't condone any violence toward workers and fast food workers have it hard. They do. Working in fast food, man, man, my heart goes out to y'all because that shit is a hard hustle, bro. Fast food is a hard hustle. People don't look at it like that. People think the shit is easy, bro. Fast food is a hard hustle, bro. I swear it is. It's a hard ass hustle. So my heart goes out to the fast food workers, man. Seriously, the restaurant workers, any people in food service, straight up. Like, that is a hard-ass hustle. But we need to petition McDonald's. We need to make a change.org petition. And we need to say that if you order, I'm just going to make the nuts. So I believe McDonald's sells four pieces, six-piece nuggets, 10-piece nuggets, and 20-piece nuggets. I believe if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I've had it. So please don't, you know, don't quote me, but I believe it's four pieces, six pieces, 10 pieces and 20 pieces. I believe it should be one sauce for four pieces, two sauces for six pieces, three sauces for 10 pieces and five sauces for 20 pieces. That is what I believe. And we need to make that happen. So that way, (laughs) motherfuckers don't call in bomb threats when you completely dub them off the sauce don't be stingy with the damn sauce mcdonald's you're a billion dollar company you can afford these fucking sauces we can't are you rationing out the sauces give niggas they sauce facts facts give niggas they sauce so again this is my proposal for mcdonald's i don't know if executives of the company are listening 
If you order a four-piece nugget, you get one sauce. You order a six-piece nugget, you get two sauces. You order a 10-piece nugget, you get three sauces. And if you order a 20-piece nugget, you get five. And that way, nobody's going to be beefing. I swear, if you order 20 pieces and they give you five barbecues or two sweet and sours and three barbecues or whatever sauce that you like, nobody's beefing. I promise you nobody's beefing. Give the people what they want, man. All we want is sauce. We're spending our money in this damn restaurant. Give us the goddamn sauce. So, <laughs> shout out to the homie, Robert Gold. How do you, I want to make sure I pronounce his name right. Uh, shout out to the homie, Robert Goldwitzer Jr. For making motherfuckers know that he don't play with their goddamn sauce. And McDonald's and Popeye's need to stop fucking playing and give out the motherfucking sauce for their chicken nuggets and tenders facts our next fun story of of the week another story that just made me laugh um (laughs) another story that just made me laugh really it has to do with fast food again and this is about subway subway sandwiches now again i've had subway in my life you know generally speaking you Think of Subway as being healthy because it's just sandwiches, it's just bread and cold cuts and vegetables and shit. But is Subway really that healthy? Like, aren't you better off just going to the bodega and getting a honey turkey on a roll or on a hero? Like, whatever. And that's a New York thing. I know everywhere doesn't have bodegas. So I want to read you the story about Subway and the real ingredients within their food. Now, remember, Subway's slogan is eat fresh, implying that all their food is fresh food, it's natural food, freshly baked bread, you know, real deli meat, it's no processed shit, it's not processed cheese, all of that shit. That is their gimmick. That's their slogan. So I want to read you this story. A lab analysis was done to determine whether a Subway tuna sandwich actually contained tuna DNA. The New York Times published a report which revealed that lab tests did not find a quote amplifiable tuna DNA in Subway's infamous tuna sandwiches. The New York Times submitted quote 60 inches worth of Subway tuna sandwiches from three separate Los Angeles locations for a lab analysis in wake of a lawsuit filed earlier this year that alleged the sandwich chain was serving customers a mixture of various concoctions that did not constitute tuna. The suit claims that independent lab tests showed the company meant to imitate tuna's appearance by blending together these unknown ingredients. The study, commissioned by the New York Times, failed to not only identify tuna DNA, but the lab could not even determine the origins of the fish in the provided sandwiches. No amp... I can't... This word is difficult. No amp... Amplifiable. I don't... What does that mean? Amplifiable. No amplifiable tuna DNA was present in the sample, and so we obtained no amplification products from the DNA. Therefore, we cannot identify the species the result read. There's two conclusions. One, it is so heavily processed that whatever we could pull out, we could not make an identification, the lab spokesman explained, or we have got some and there is just nothing in there that is tuna. The New York Times spoke with a tuna expert. That's funny. How you 
a tuna expert. <laughs> Who's the guy you call, like, in the New York Times office? Like, all right, get the tuna expert. <laughs> That's funny. Holy shit. Anyway. The New York Times spoke with a tuner expert who pointed out the protein can be difficult to identify once it becomes broken down or after being cooked. Inside Edition conducted a similar test in February after purchasing sandwiches from three franchises in New York and found that their samples did contain tuna. One Subway employee tried to disprove the allegations by showing a package with, quote, flaked white tuna in brine written on the box. Seafood experts suspect that the chain's tuna dilemma may not actually have anything to do with them. Quote, I do not think a sandwich place would intentionally mislabel. Dave Rudy, president of Catalina Offshore Products, told the New York Times. They're buying of canned tuna that says tuna. If there's fraud in any case, it has happened at the cannery. The taste and quality of our tuna make it one of Subway's most popular products. And these baseless accusations threaten to damage our franchises. Small business owners who work tirelessly to uphold the high standards that Subway sets for all of its products, including its tuna. Given the facts, the lawsuit constitutes a reckless and improper attack on Subway's brand and goodwill on the livelihood of its California franchises. Indeed, there is no basis in law for the plaintiff's for the there is no basis in law or in fact for the plaintiff's claims, which are frivolous and being pursued without adequate investigation. In October 2020, the Supreme Court of Ireland also ruled that the bread Subway used in its sandwiches could not be legally referred to as bread since it exceeded the 2% of the total weight of flour used in the dough. It's no secret that I get disgusted by a lot of things. I'm very disgusted, to be quite honest with you. I'm just so disgusted. I can't tell you how disgusted I am. I'm disgusted with him right now. I'm so disgusted. I'm disgusted with it. I'm so disgusted. I'm so damn disgusted. I'm just disgusted. Oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to be cool. Subway is kind of low-key, had a very, very rough few years. <laughs> you know, reading that shit just made me think about all the bullshit that Subway has been involved with, whether it was their fault or not, right? Starting with Jared. Remember the, the spokesman Jared? And Jared has been the Subway spokesman for like... He was a spokesman for at least like 15 years. And it was basically the guy who had lost like over 200 pounds just by eating Subway. And he was like their spokesman. He was like a nerdy looking white dude who will always wear like plaid shirts. And and he wore glasses and he would always carry around these big ass jeans. Like, look how much weight I lost by eating Subway sandwiches. And then it came out. Maybe what was that like? I don't remember the year, so let's say in the late 2010s, I don't remember the year exactly, that Jared, the spokesman for Subway, was like a super, super creep, like a pedophile. Like he had, he went to, he was arrested and found guilty of child pornography, like super, super disgusting creepo shit. So Subway, like, it was like, oh shit, like what the fuck? So then they try to do as much damage control as possible. They rebranded all the stores. They got rid of his his image completely they cut all ties with him they try to rebrand best that they could then the next thing that happened with subway was what jussie smollett and when and that was what year was that 2019 when jussie smollett the star one of the stars of the show empire had basically plotted a his own beat up like he he plotted a jumping 
um, because for some reason he wasn't getting paid enough money and he wanted to use this as a way to sort of like get his name hot and then uh, get more money from it. His plan was so convoluted. It's really crazy. Like the plan was for Jussie at three in the morning to go to Subway, buy a sandwich, walk out of the Subway, then be attacked by two people who he had claimed to be white men wearing MAGA hats and to say he was the victim of a hate crime, the victim of a gay black hate crime because he is homosexual and he's black. And it turned out that only not only was that shit completely untrue, he was the mastermind. And the people who beat him up were two Nigerian men who he met while he was working on Empire. It was the one of the funniest, stupidest stories ever that I remember. And Subway just so happened to be the innocent bystander in that. Like, so now we got reports out that saying Subway's not even using real tuna fish in their tuna and real bread. Like, they are just like on the wrong side of history, bro, in so many ways. Like, so I don't think Subway can't catch a break, man. I feel like at this point, they need to just sell their shit to blimpy <laughs> sell sell all their stock just sell their company to blimpy or to like what's another sandwich chain jimmy john's or jersey mike's or something because it ain't looking good for them man they got too much bad pr bro who the fuck is gonna want to go to a subway now seriously like i mean and not again i'm maybe i'm spoiled because i live in new york so you go to the bodega if you want a sandwich you go to the bodega. Poppy behind the counter or the ock behind the counter is going to hook you the fuck up. Honey turkey with lettuce, tomato, onion, you know, oil and vinegar, mustard. I don't like mayonnaise, so I don't get mayonnaise. And they're going to hook you up. And this shit's going to taste mad good. So, again, maybe I am spoiled and people really depend on Subway. But, like, who the fuck is going to want to eat that shit now? Especially that their gimmick is eat fresh and none of their shit is fresh. <laughs> they got fucking pedophiles who are the main sponsors of their company. They got niggas getting their ass beat after getting sandwiches from the company. They're just really on the wrong side of history in a lot of ways. Also, I don't know if you guys have noticed. And maybe maybe this is just me like being crazy. But every Subway commercial I've seen now, like since I read this story and I was preparing it for the show... I seen mad subway commercials with hella celebrities. I've seen a subway commercial with Charles Barkley, with Serena Williams, with Stephen Curry, with Megan Rapino, with Tony Hawk. Like they're really you could tell when a company's really in trouble because they get all of the most likable, lovable celebrities to advertise their products. How much money do you think Subway has spent now on this advertising budget to get Charles Barkley, Tony Hawk? Stephen Curry, Serena Williams, and one more person I just said I can't remember. Like, if you guys are just watching TV at home and you see a Subway commercial, notice how they're talking about they refreshed and revamped the menu and how they're, all of their meats, breads, and cheeses are 100% nat- natural and organic. Like, just pay attention to that. Just because... Subway is like going through it, bro, and they're really trying to get their shit back to the way it was. Like, if anybody out there was like thinking, man, Blimpy got it bad, they don't got it as bad as Subway. Let me tell you that, okay? 
So just I want you guys to like see if you guys notice that. And if you do, send me a message and say that you saw it. Like seriously, like send me a message and say that you saw it because I noticed it. Like I read the story, I laughed. Then I thought this is immediately how it went. I read the story, I laughed. Right then I said this will be great for the podcast. And then I started seeing all these new subway commercials. And I was just like, yo, Subway is really trying to get their shit back. They broke the bank. Like, you know how much it costs to get Serena Williams to do a commercial? I guarantee Serena Williams ain't cheap, bro. Steph Curry ain't cheap. Tony Hawk ain't cheap. Megan Rapino ain't cheap. Charles Barkley ain't cheap. So they is spending the money to try to get their image back. The PR department is working overtime, okay? The PR department is currently looking like Giannis after 48 minutes of basketball. Sweaty, tired, <laughs> and ready to relax. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so, caution to the wind. If you go to Subway, and you know, if you're really just hungry and it's the only thing on your street or on your block, just be mindful that they call it eat fresh, but how fresh is it? You know what I'm saying? I can firmly say that I probably will never eat another Subway sandwich in my life. You know, just because, even if this was just an isolated incident, if you just had people debunking that your tuna fish is fake, so fake they can't even identify what it is, and your bread is not even real bread, and that's 2020 that that shit came out, I'm cool. I am cool. And I will continue to just go to the bodega, Hook it up, let one of the homies behind the counter go to the supermarket and get a deli sandwich or just buy cold cuts and make a sandwich in my house because it ain't even that deep. I'm not trying to eat some concoction, okay, that was made in the lab just because I don't want to go and get some sliced meat from the deli. Like, fuck out of here. So, Subway, I don't know, dog. I don't know about y'all for sure. And... Y'all niggas can't catch a break. I'll tell you that. Y'all motherfuckers just can't catch a break. (laughs) Last on the docket, I wanted to present you guys a story of flexing. Flexing. And how, even though you're rich, famous, and successful, sometimes you're flexing too damn much. Okay? You're flexing too damn much the headline for this story reads drake rents out dodger stadium for date night drake took full advantage of the dodgers being out of town setting up a date on la's field with joanna leah and the whole thing looked like it was taken straight out up a drake song While Justin Turner and the boys were in Miami, the rapper took advantage of the opportunity to borrow their arena for a cozy date night, and it's clear he balled out for the occasion. A helicopter camera spotted the 34-year-old at the table with Leah near the dugout on the third base side of the field, and there was a white tablecloth, multiple dishes, flowers, and even a personal bartender for the couple. In fact, the two have gotten personalized Dodgers jerseys for the occasion, with Leah rocking hers right at the table. Drake recently sat down between Leah and Michael B. Jordan at Sierra Canyon High School's basketball game, 
If you're unfamiliar, Leah is the mom of Sierra Canyon star and UCLA commit Amari Bailey, who is also teammates with LeBron James' son, Bronny James. And with Drake often attending the games to catch Bronny in action, it is possible that the new relation started courtside. It's only fitting that basketball will bring new love to Drake's life, right? Move this man! Now you may ask yourself, why am I booing that? That is an ultimate flex, and it is. It is, it is. I'm not here to say that it's not a flex at all. This shit is the ultimate flex. Let me rent out an entire fucking baseball stadium for a date. That is a flex, okay? That's a flex. That's a bodybuilder type flex. Why I'm booing Drake is because, motherfucker, what? You are doing too much. You got to think about the regular motherfuckers out here who are trying to go on dates, okay? You are setting the bar too motherfucking high, okay? And you need to relax. You need to relax, Drake. You need to relax, okay? Not all of us out here, okay, make songs like Laugh Now and Cry Later, okay? We don't out, we're not out here making the lemon pepper freestyle, okay? You got to think about the average motherfucking Joes who is out here just trying to get this shit off, trying to go to a nice little date, trying to go to a nice little spot, then we can't afford to rent out the entire goddamn baseball field with a personal bartender for our dates, okay? So you doing too much, all right, my brother? We, we didn't make take care, okay? We didn't make, if you're reading this, it's too late. We haven't been on the billboard consistently since 2013, okay? We regular ass niggas out here. So you got to look out for us. Why don't you make a regular niggas anthem? (laughs) Why don't you give some love back to the regular average Joes out here trying to make their own way and not killing it so much that women's expectations of us rise to the heights that is unattainable, okay? I cannot sing, rap, and co-op reggae and make beautiful music like you can, okay, Drake? I'm a regular-ass nigga from the Bronx with a fucking podcast. How much do you think that I can spend on a date, motherfucker? Come on now, Drake. Come on, Drake. It's fly. It's fly shit. And of course, if I was in that position, I wouldn't be speaking that way. And because it's, it's truly fly shit. Like if I was to call up a woman who I was interested in, hey, get dressed. I want to take you out somewhere nice. And I have an entire baseball stadium rented out. That's some fly shit. That's just some fly shit. But like, come on, bro. You killing me, bro. You killing me. Because then the expectations rise. And when I look at my bank statements, they are definitely not like Drake bank statements. You know, Drake has been flexing on our broke asses for a long time with the million dollar outfit, with all the Richard Milley watches he wears, with all the AP watches he wears, getting his own custom championship ring from the Toronto Raptors, showing us his giant ass fucking mansion, his big ass fucking plane, plane is the size of a fucking hotel. He's been flexing on us for a long time. I'm just asking you, Drake, because I know you got the money. I know your pockets is deep as fuck. I'm just asking you, bro. Just to look out a little more for the regular niggas out here. Because we damn sure can't even think about renting a fucking baseball stadium for our girls or when we go on dates, okay? Some motherfuckers out here is even struggling to buy tickets to the baseball game. 
Shit. We just got out of the fucking COVID pandemic, bruh. Come on, bruh. Shit, man. Look out for us. That's all I'm asking you, bro. You make amazing music. You're a great dude, in my opinion. I love listening to your music. I love your swag and your aura. But you wildin', bruh. You wildin'. So you need to relax and take it down a few. Don't be out here setting the bar too motherfucking high and making it impossible for regular niggas to keep up, okay? Renting out the whole goddamn stadium for a date. What the fuck, man? Come on, bruh. Drake, I love you, but you're wildin' out and you need to chill. So that's all I got. Drake, just look out a little more for the regular niggas out here. Because we out here, we need love too. Regular niggas need love too. And we can't all rent out baseball stadiums for our goddamn dates. And that's all I got on it. Drake, you need to fucking relax. I'm broke, nigga, I'm broke. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 68 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel. I want to say thank you again to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you again to everyone who is active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. I truly, 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 truly appreciate all of the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Um, please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Got hoodies on there, got t-shirts, got stickers, got COVID masks, got tote bags, and much, much more to come. It's a great way to just help the podcast keep going the way that it is. Again, I'm an independent. You know, I don't got no deal. I ain't got no sponsorship. So, This is the best way uh, if you guys, you know, want to support the show, help it keep going the way that it is. Um, Of course, I understand that not everyone out there can afford to purchase these things. We just got out of COVID. Like, I understand that sometimes people's money is very tight. I'm only saying this if you can. Don't feel like you have to. Only if you can. If you can't afford to help the podcast by purchasing a hoodie or a t-shirt or a tote bag or something like that. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated and just helps the podcast keep going the way that it is. Um, but and I'm and sincerely grateful for every single last person who has went out and purchased merch. It is not lost on me. And I really, truly appreciate you guys, whether or not whether or not you purchase my merch or not. I truly just appreciate all the love that you guys show me. And this shit is really a blessing, man. So that's all I got on that. Um I'm going to fade you guys out with a great, 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 great song today. And if you can use context clues, you can figure out which artist I'm playing. This song is called Law of Averages by Vince Staples off of his most recent album called Vince Staples. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 68. Have a great week. Have a great weekend out there. Be safe. And we are out. You started on the line, started out, fading out on it, but I can't tell. Get into a steady, fading into a steady.
Fuck a bitch, I don't trust no bitch with my government Fuck a friend, I don't want no friends with no open hands Count my bands, all alone at home, don't you call my phone Everyone that I ever known, ask me for a loan, leave me alone Fault defaults to loan, get that nigga gone Raging boy, this not paid in full, but I kill my own Yes, I love you cause you black, but don't love your ass like that I will put you on a shirt if you fuck me out my racks Cherry app, down the app, hold you ass Louis bag, Gucci bag, you got baggage. I will never give my money to a bad bitch. I will never give my money to a bad bitch. Dairy Ave, Locust Ave, ho, you average. Birkin bag, Chloe bag, you got baggage. You will never catch me slipping out in traffic. You will never catch me slipping out in traffic AMGs and SMGs, I'm in a dash shit ay. Wasn't what he thought, we called them like a catfish ay. Niggas falling out and screaming like they Baptist ay. Only love her if she ratchet, ay. if that ass it Got the squabble, now he cash his clay But them hurricane Carter, you know I'm gon' catch a case But Kiss your baby in the face If you play with where I stay Barry app, down the app Hold you average Louis bag, Gucci bag You got baggage I will never give my money to a bad bitch I will never give my money to a bad bitch Dairy app, Locust app Hold you average Birkin bag, Chloe bag You got baggage You will never catch me slipping out in traffic you will never catch me slipping out in trap I don't trust no bitch with my girlfriend.